Hello and welcome to the greatest show on earth. I am your host, Aaron Nathan Neal, and you are listening to More Than a Party Podcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, before I uh, play the interview or the conversation I had with uh, my buddy Danny, I just wanted to let you all know that, of course, I had um, a technical difficulty. It's complete user error. I made a mistake, and my voice, the whole podcast, sounds very low. So it's like a whole octave lower than how I normally speak and how my voice normally sounds. And I'm going to blame it on Danny. He didn't tell me that it still sounded like that. And so I'm going to say it's his fault. Um, And uh, we'll just leave it at that. No, I'm just playing. It's completely my fault. So if you can just get past the way my voice sounds, it is a really great episode. We talk a lot of good content. And so I'm excited for you to hear. His voice sounds the same and nothing was wrong with it. But um, again... You're going to notice my voice change from now until when I start the podcast. And so, again, if you can get past that, I think you'll really enjoy it. And so, without further ado, my buddy Danny Delgado. Let's do it. All right, everyone. Today I have my man, the one and only Danny Delgado, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, Athens, Georgia. Preaching the word down there, doing his thing, teaching, being the dude, father. You didn't even mention worship my, leader. my nickname in there. What is it? Big Papa? Come on, baby. It's Big Papa. You know that. <laughs> I love it. Well, Danny, welcome to, to my to my podcast, uh, season two, my man. Glad to be on, homie. Excited to see what we're going to discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we just get started with? Uh, why don't you just introduce yourself? Tell tell my listeners, my people, who you are, what you're about. You're a family man, and uh, why don't you get some credit where credits due to your to your better half? Yeah, I'm, I got to, or else she's gonna find out I didn't. So yeah, I uh, I was uh, wasn't born, but I was raised in Georgia. Uh, went. Uh, I've been going to the same church for the last. 29 years, um, saved and uh, uh, born again about eight years ago, um, and um, and uh, Courtney and I got married back in 2014. Got three kids. We got uh, Ava, who's three; Judah, who's two. Oliver was just born this past February, so he's about five months, I think. And um, I am a school teacher. I taught in the classroom third and fourth grade for eight years and then this past year post pandemic tell him i went to the library Sunday. hey i went to, hey so now i'm in the book crib at least I'm, I'm i'm asking the school administration i work at a private school and i'm trying to like ask them if they can get if they can improve the rename to the book crib and i think they need a little uh, they need a little bit of convincing because if, if it's the book crib that makes me the book daddy and so they're, they're gonna they, 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 they gotta pray about it but yeah that's that's about that's about the the, about the gist of it i don't know if they would ever allow you to be called the book daddy 
like you could get one of those plaques that like at your desk says book daddy that would be amazing i want to get like i want to get i want to get a mural like painted on the wall book crib and then have like a like a caricature of me in there with some kids like sitting around and me reading to them oh i love it it'd be better than some of the stuff that they got kids or people coming in and reading to them Okay. What made you? What made you want to go, uh, get out of the classroom and go to library to be a librarian? Usually, when usually when people think of librarians, it's like that old lady, glasses, telling everyone to shh. And you are the complete opposite. I wouldn't be surprised if your library turns into like a dance studio <laughs> with you at the helm of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm, lo I'm looking into that. Trying to get me a, a full time DJ. I mean, maybe my assistant can do it. She's pretty legit too, Miss Carla. I call so Miss Carla, my assistant, who's been in the library for who knows how. I call her secret sauce because she is like the reason why anything actually gets accomplished in the library. So she's secret sauce, but she she'll just shake her head and smile. Yo, so like I taught, and honestly, I don't even think about me not being in the library or not being in the classroom. I think about me as being in a classroom that happens to have a whole ton of books. Yeah, um, and so. I, you know, ever since I got into teaching, probably my first or second year, I just really got into literacy and getting into just um, just having enthusiasm and having um, being able to encourage and inspire kids and not just kids, but their parents to be to be more of a reader, to, to incorporate reading into their lives. And so, I mean, and I, this is not me bragging, uh, but but but, uh, you know, many parents and teachers have come to me and say, hey, I got a boy, he's in third grade and whatnot. And, you know, I'm trying to find good books for him. And, um, and that's kind of been my reputation. So um, I, I was like, you know what, Lord, it'd be kind of neat if I could get into the library. I told Courtney about it a year and a half before I even got the, 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 the door to open up. And Courtney yeah, was yeah. like, what? No, you know, <laughs> you get paid less. We can't do that. <laughs> and lo and behold, literally, I was like, all right, fine. So I shelved it. I said, I said, God, if that's you, open the door. If not, slam it in my face. And a year and a half later, the, li the only librarian that our school ever had, an incredible librarian by the name of Nancy Simpson, um, she retired to actually take care of her, um, take care of her, her elderly mother. And so I applied, and, um, and um, my school, I guess, is either foolish enough or gracious enough to uh, slot me in there. So now I'm in, about to start year two. In the library. Hey, well, tell them what you did over the over COVID twenty twenty school year because you you were having uh, sit downs right every week. You were reading over a story, and I can't remember which one it was. Yeah, and, and if you missed one, I remember you saying people were emailing you, being like, "Hey, when's the second part coming out? When's the third part coming out?" Bro, <laughs> so that's crazy. So we wrote a we read a book called Lifeboat. I think it was Lifeboat Seven or Lifeboat Eleven. So it's a crazy story true story about these kids in England during the 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 uh, the, the the blitz during the, the London blitz when the Germans are coming over bombing and shelling the mess out of the city and so there's a lot of families who are like well, I don't want my kid to live here uh, I don't want I want to go ship them off to some relatives in somewhere other part of the world there was a lottery system and if the family was uh, fortunate enough their name would get pulled and their child or children could be put on ships and taken over to Canada and different places you know, where, you know, uh, Londoners and other uh, people and in, in, in other people living in England had family. So this book is about these four boys who get on the ship 
and they're and they're 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 coasting. They're in the middle of the Atlantic, and their boat gets. I mean, boat by boat. I mean, like massive ship gets hit by a torpedo. Wow! And it's a German U-boat, and they actually this ship is sunk, and half of the kids that are on there perish. Um, and this one lifeboat has like like a ton of kids in it, but the the the, the plot focuses on four boys. They're they, bro, bro. They're on this. They're in this lifeboat for like nine days with nothing <laughs> nothing i mean these kids are like i mean like at the very end they're literally about to die and somehow uh their distress signals that were sent out you know the 10 days before their boat was caught and they started they, uh, they started cross-referencing all the different radars and they finally stumbled upon these last remaining lifeboats and this is a true based on a true story it's an incredible incredible story so i read it and I would record, I would record and, and, and then post it on, on for our fourth graders to listen to. And I still remember Sybil. Sybil was one of them. Now, she wasn't the only one, but Sybil was one of them. It was like her mom would email me like if I was a day late because I would always post it the first day of the week, Monday. Yeah. She'd be like, Tuesday, be like, Mr. D, I don't want to rush you. I know you have a lot on your plate, but Sybil's kind of worried that you had forgotten about, you know, sending your, your, your read aloud audio. Oh, that's great. And, uh, and, um, yeah, man, that was probably my most enjoyable part of, 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 of <laughs> teaching from home was getting to record these things on my iPad and families loving it. It was, it was great. That's great. So along with that, what else? I mean, now you kind of you're in control of all the books. And, uh, and so obviously you have a love for it and you have a passion for reading. What it, what, that's definitely something that we lack, especially in this generation, is reading and a love for reading, a love for learning, I should say. Everyone always associates school you know learning with school but in reality we should be constant learners what is something that you think could um maybe help people to have a love for learning or sorry have a love for reading you know um Whew. the, the that, very that first thing that question. comes in my mind no it's not heavy and this is going to sound dumb but i i've experienced it so i i could care less so <laughs> the very first, the very first thing, the, the number one thing, if someone were to tell me in the classroom, Mr. D, all of your teaching strategies are out the window. You can't use any curriculum. You, you can only hold on to one thing, one thing only as a teacher, as an educator to get content across to your kids. What would it be? <clears throat> and I, every single time I would say, let me read aloud to my kids. Mm. And that for me has been a gold mine. In fact, ironically enough, and I've told people what I'm about to share with you now, people kind of look at me strange, but I've seen the difference. I read aloud to my wife and you can ask her. About three years ago, I first started reading to her from a, 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 a fantasy series called The Book of Three, it's a five book series. I started it in the summer of 2019 and we went all the way to December, 2019. I read all five books before we would go to bed like it was almost like one of those like movie like at the very end when you're reading the final chapters we actually it was i remember it was a sunday night we ordered dominoes and i'm reading aloud eating pizza we're celebrating like it's like the final trilogy of like the lord of the rings or, you know some yeah. you know tv show how people celebrate you know whatever yeah. and ever since i started reading aloud to my wife she has recaptured her love of reading in fact mm. she's averaging more books than i am she's and I'm talking like tomes, but she's she's clocking two or three books a month while yeah. being a mom at home with three kids, three years and under. 
and all the other responsibilities and ministry and everything. And so to answer your question, if, if, if I wanted to help someone love reading, I would just grab one of my favorite books that I know I read really well. And I would read it out loud to that person. I don't care if they're five or 65, I'll mm. get them to, I'll get the, I'll, I'll get them to be interested in reading. It won't happen overnight, but over time it will. So if people, if they go that route and they get like audible or something, um, should they start with like fiction or nonfiction? What, what's your recommendation? I know non nonfiction for me, which is really all I read. I really, I find myself, okay, I need to focus. Like it's hard for me to just listen because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to waste my time, um, just listening to whatever. So I want to be listening to something that I feel like will be productive that will benefit me. And so, but whenever that happens, um, I'm like, okay, I don't want to multitask. So I want to sit down. <laughs> like it's, it's yep. you know, even if I'm at the gym, you know, I, I, I always, I'm listening to something, podcasts or whatnot. But um, so do you, do you recommend they go the nonfiction route with Audible or fiction? It's a good question. And so really you, you, the point that you just brought up is that inf you, you say nonfiction, I'll say informational. I mean, informational yeah. covers a huge gambit. We call biography, uh, nonfiction, whatever. That is a different kind of reading and it's more it's more it's more rigorous because you're yeah. looking at a lot of data and facts so it's mm -hmm. gonna it's going to demand more of your concentration and more of your focus whereas a narrative something that might be fiction would not as much and i'll tell you this um i find i mean i I'll, i do both but if someone's trying to get back into reading i personally would say try something that's fiction and try mm -hmm. something that's based on a true story because you know, we like that element of like, you know, I mean, come on, like how many movies do, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, people, you know, kids have seen a movie or they'll see something, Mr. Delgado, is that, is that a true story? Did that ever really happen? And for some reason, like that connection between like being able to, to be able to uh, articulate the true story with using a little bit of imagination appeals to a lot of people. But uh, going back with fiction, I would say, oh, here, here, here's, here's what I was going to say. A lot of people, as they get older, dismiss fiction. Mm -hmm. especially children's fiction. Mm -hmm. I find that children's fiction, the older I get has become more and more rich. And you mm -hmm. know who else, you know, who else believed the same thing? C.S. Lewis. Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis was iconic for saying, you know what? There are things that there are ways to communicate to another human being using narrative, using fiction that you just can't with nonfiction. So I, I can't go into all the details because I know we got a, a list of other things we want to talk about, but uh, they, they both have merit. They both have merit. What I would say is find something you're interested in and get, get into reading it. I mean, whatever it be, if it's, if it's, if it's weightlifting, if it's the markets, if it's uh, fantasy, science fiction, just find something that appeals to you um, yeah. and listen to it. Um, yeah. When I was homeschooled, we, I used to read a, a ton um, and we, of course, growing up in a church ho Christian household, Frank Peretti was uh, Yo, was a dog. Boy, let's go. Uh, read all of his read all of his books. Um, I think I have a couple Ooh. behind me, um, but read all of his books. And Adam, you know, Adam Did really you guys set have the, the Cooper kids. Oh yeah, oh yeah, read all of those. Adam and my older brother really set the pace as far as having a love for learning, having a love for reading, and so all those books, you know, were in the household. And so then they, each one of us as, you know, there's seven of us. So we would all c continue reading those books. Um, they kind of get passed down like, like a, like a shirt or something. Heirloom, bro. <laughs> Heirloom for sure. And I still have them. Oh, actually, you know what? Look at this. Look at this. 
look at this joke. Look at this yeah. joke. For, for, yeah. for those that are, for those that are, show it to the camera, baby. Look at that. Hey, it's still. We still got all the pages. This is just ripped in half on accident. You know, we've been through a ton of moves uh, in our in my life. So you know, books kind of sometimes get a little torn. But hey, all the pages are there. It's just for those that are just listening. It's ripped uh, almost complete. It's just ripped in, in half <laughs> on accident. Uh, which brings me to: Were you homeschooled or did you go to public school? I went public school. You went public school. So that's one thing that you don't. You know, I, I find that a lot of homeschoolers love reading and love just, you know, mm, kind of like isolating themselves a little bit. And so when they do that, they just read. I remember my middle school teacher. He's part of the reason why I even want to become a teacher. His name was Mr. Hill. Uh, but he was actually a missionary in um, South Africa. His parents were. And uh, he went to a, a boarding school out there, all boys and stuff. And he just loved 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 reading i mean one of the things that uh he said to me i'll never forget he said aaron if you locked me in a closet full of books with a flashlight i would be fine exactly. and i was like what i i'm in seventh grade whatever that is 13 13 years old i'm like you are insane you know like what are you talking about and he just but that's how he grew up he loved reading he was you know out there by himself with his parents and you know grew up loving reading but you grew up in the church so let's talk about that um yeah. you said you've been in the same church for 29 years yeah how is that being a church kid <laughs> what what's so <laughs> and your dad's a pastor he pastors so yeah. you're a PK, you're a pk you're a church kid you must yeah. you must have some crazy stories running around the church you always get all the pressure put on you everyone's looking at you waiting for you to fail yada 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 i think honestly ah oh man there's so many ways we can go with this i guess the first thing that comes to my mind is i think i'm a really rare breed um because having the same pastor for 29 years unheard of going to the same church yeah right exactly um, I, I think we, we live in, 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 in I mean, I, I think there's different, different reasons and different factors that we might be covering later on. But the fact that you're going to find uh, either an individual or a family that attends the same church in our generation and in, in our for, you know, more than five years is the, it's definitely, it's definitely an exception, exception not the rule. And so I think growing up certainly had its challenges. Um, a lot of it had to do with, you know, um, obviously, you know, the Bible says be in the world, but not of the world. And you have all those pressures and they, they begin to mount the older you get going to the middle mm -hmm. school, like you were referencing in earlier and in high school. And um, I think for me, you know, it was one of those situations where, and there's a really good sermon by, by a pastor in, within Christian Fellowship Ministries named Richard Ruby. He talks about church kids and he basically just says, you know, church kids have to experience salvation for themselves and um, they have to have their own relationship with Jesus. My pastor, Pastor LaValle, said it, he put it this way. There, you can't be a Christian by culture. You must be a Christian by conversion. And that's mm -hmm. something that has to be personal. And so, you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, you know, I'm saved, but then you want to you fit in. You're trying to find where you belong. You want to find your place. 
And if it's in school, you're trying to find your place. But, you know, if you're going to speak up against this, that, and the other and speak up for the gospel and witness to people, you get ostracized and whatnot. And so that was something that for me was, you know, I, I there was like, for example, my eighth grade year, I, my parents said, hey, we're going to homeschool you because there were so many things I was hiding. And, um, you know, I think a little bit had to do with, I wanted to be honest. I think a part of me wanted to be honest and confess and share with my parents and, 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 and try to overcome different obstacles in my faith. But I was, a, I was, I was afraid about their reaction. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, I, you know, I had to get over that. You know, that was something that later on in my life, I had to tell my parents and open up and say, Hey, there are some things that I, I, that I've done or something. And I want to be able to tell you, but I just, I know I've, I'll, I will have let you down, disappointed you, et cetera, et cetera. And, I just, I'm hoping that I can tell you without you, without them. And they, they had to learn that too. And I'm going to have to mm-hmm. learn it with my own, with my own offspring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are just a few thoughts as far as what was it like growing up, not just in the same church for such a long time, but just being a kid who is in a Bible preaching church. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things that could be said, especially along the routes of, uh, you know, being in the same church for 29 years, you said, you know, it's unheard of maybe even to be in the same church longer than five years. And it kind of sounds a lot like marriage, <laughs> you know, long, hey, which, is on, what, which is what Jesus uh, calls us to be. You know, we are mar- Jesus. The church is his bride and we need to be married, you know, to the church. Um, but what, um, you know, along with what Pastor uh, Lavalle said, my dad makes, you know, kind of a similar statement every year coming to the new year. He says, you know, your resolution needs to become a revelation without a revelation of, you know, hey, I want to lose 50 pounds. It will die after a week. It will die after yep. two weeks. But if you catch that revelation, if you're like, hey, I need to do this for whatever the better of my health, my kids to, um, you know, uh, live a little bit longer um, to be able to walk around a little, a little bit easier, you know, on my Hello. joints. Hey. You know, you have to catch that revelation. And I think that's obviously where a lot of people lack. They don't, they don't grasp the understanding of being married to the church, falling in love with the local church, especially, you know, um, you know, especially in the Bible Belt, you know, you get uh, a lot of church hopping, um, you know, and you kind of, people kind of find themselves drawn to the, to the mega church. Uh, and so, it's you know it kind of it is what it is every every church kid pk has experienced that and so you learn to kind of move on and not hold any grudges or not have any resentment um even though it's sometimes hard (laughs) when when you see people coming into your church for two years and then they're like all right see you and you're like what 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 just happened where and then you know they're they're going to the local bigger church with a cooler worship leader um So what we're talking about, you know, this way that we feel, what we've seen is people that are listening to this, because there's, there's people in the fellowship that listen to this, especially church kids, they're going to be like, I relate to that so hard. I relate to that so hard. So do you have, you know, how you've been in the church longer than I have. Um, how are you able to kind of, kind of overcome some of that, those trials, some of those struggles of seeing people just constantly come in, get locked in, leave, yeah. maybe say some bad things about the, the church that's not even close to being true, 
you know, right. just have a spirit of discord or spirit of, uh, you know, whatever uh, uh, of, uh, oh, I can't think of the word right now, but yeah, the spirit of discord. And so um, how, how are you able to, to move past that or kind of learn to forgive? I don't know. Yeah. Um, for me, um, it, it, man, it's, it, 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 it's a bummer because what happens is, for example, Courtney and I, and for those out there, Courtney, my, my wonderful wife, she actually grew up <clears throat> within a, a Baptist denomination mm-hmm. and um, her dad and her mom loved God and did a great work in Warner Robins. Um, and, um, you know, she church hopped around in college and that was something that when she got to our church and before she decided to, to, to rededicate and, and repent and come back to Jesus for her, it was, all of this was so foreign, this whole idea of like being in a church and having dignity to the local church and mm-hmm. actually like saying, Hey, you know what? Uh, 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 I don't want my eyeball to pop out of my body and go put itself in another person's body. I, I need my eyeball to stay inside of my socket. And so for us in the church, it's the same thing. People come, go, and it's like, wait a second. This is the body of Christ. We're all different parts. Paul talks about, you know, the eye can't be the nose. and The nose can't be the ear. These different parts all have a function, all have a purpose. They all have a, 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 they have a duty to serve one another. And so um, for Courtney, it was definitely something that was kind of foreign for her. But then she got saved among a group of friends who I think who were all going to the University of Georgia at the time. That's, that's the local college here. Go Oof. dogs. And um, yeah, yeah, you know, I had to. And so uh, <laughs> what's crazy is that she had been in church for less than a year when one of the people who had been saved within the last year or two had some had some issues that they were working through, tried to go to pastor and basically did not appreciate did not see eye to eye with pastor with things and instead of saying okay hey you know what i'm gonna move on they along with like they took with them talked to them uh uh, confided with them and basically enticed solicited them a group of people who had been going and they all left the church Mm. all of the investment all of the fellowship all of the labor all of the sacrifice that they, that these people had put into the church and that the church so it, it's it's vice versa it's it, it, it's a two yeah, lane yeah. thing they left and that courtney said that was probably the closest i was to saying you know what why am i going what, 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 what what's what's it all worth why am i doing all this when people mm-hmm. just get up and go and that was the first time she had really ex- experienced people she got saved with leaving the church and bouncing and so now she and i pioneered the bible study at the university of georgia and we've had people who we've invested, I'm talking years, they're freshmen, yeah. they graduate. Yep. We listen, re- 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 we just recently had a guy poured three and a half years into, he was doing well, came back. He was going to grad school at a really good college here in the University of Georgia, decided to stay in Athens and was going to commute to the Atlanta area to go to this grad school. He's a really bright guy. He starts seeing a girl mm. and all of a sudden things start spiraling and he, at first, he was okay with everything we were doing, but all of a sudden, he's starting this girl. This girl's from another, you know, she she has her own beliefs. They don't match up with the Bible. He starts questioning things, and lo and behold, two weeks ago, he moves out of Athens, goes to Atlanta, and now he's going to go to school there. And he's completely, and he he had, he had been living with two of the guys in our Bible study in Athens who were both attending the University of Georgia, and he just flipped the script. And yeah. how many times have how many times have we had him over? 
How many times have we prayed with them? How many times have we encouraged them? And so it's, you know, getting over that is not easy. And I remember, so I'll, I'll, I'll let me wrap up this whole thought with this, with this. I talked to my pastor as a pastor, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with people you've poured your life into and for one way, shape or form, they leave and maybe they leave quietly. Maybe they don't leave quietly. And I mean, these are people that you've like literally laid your life down for. And I remember him looking me dead in the face. He said, Danny, you have to ask God to keep your heart right. Mm-hmm. And for me, that hit me right square on between the eyes because I coached varsity girls soccer for five years. And I was so fed up with all the complaining with all of the, how come this, how come that people who, you know, players you invest into yada, 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 they graduate, they're screaming at you on the sideline. You're doing this wrong. Da, 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 da. And I got bent out of shape. And that was when Ava was born. And so I said, Hey, perfect time. This is convenient. I'm dropping coaching. I'm going to become a dad now, but really I was probably already one foot out the door Yeah. and I'm sitting here. My pastor is saying, Hey, you know what? It's going to happen. How are you going to process it? What are you yeah. going to do? Are you going to yeah, sit yeah. there and say, forget this deuces? Why, why, why am I building this church in the first place? And it's like, no, he said, you're built. This is God's work. You have to keep your heart right. <clears throat> That's so good. Cause we're always, you know, and, that's definitely something I've seen so um, just prevalent in my parents' life is mm-hmm. each service, you know, my dad, he, and we have people who have been in the church for five years. And uh, one of the things that this guy, uh, his name's Frenchie, he always says, he's like, man, I just love how your dad, whether there's a hundred people here or 10 people here, he preaches the same. He preaches with the same passion, with the same revelation. And I was like, man, Frenchie, I love that too, man. I, I appreciate that. You know, um, you know, I'm 26 now, and so I've seen it, right? I've seen it throughout my whole life. And, uh, and, and it's true. It's true that he and my mom have kept their hearts right. And just coming back to maybe in general, it's, it's easy to say, you know, if it's only for one person, if only one person gets saved, right? And we, we say these things and we're like, that the angels are rejoicing and they're worshiping. <laughs> and then that one person doesn't come back to church and we're like, what the, you know? Yep. And, and so, but you're right. It's, it's all about keeping our heart right. And really <clears throat> com- coming into coaching, that's one thing I, I preach to my, my, uh, my players is worry about the things that you can control. You only have to worry about the things. You can't worry about the umpire. He's going to do what he's going to do. You can't worry about the other team, but you can worry about yourself. You can worry about the pitches that you swing at. You can worry about, okay, if he's calling two balls outside, then I got to swing at that, especially with 0-2 count, right? You, you worry about what is in your control. And the one thing that is in our control as a Christian and as a pioneer work, as a church kid, is keeping our heart right. Right. And that will allow us to witness that will allow us to continue to press on, to continue to fight, to continue to pray for people as they come into the church, not be like, oh, they're coming in the church, but they'll probably leave in two weeks. Right. And it's (laughs) and it's easy to get like that. It's easy to be like, I'm not. Yeah. Very cynical. And you kind of lose that optimism. But let's talk about the church, man. We both we both love the church. We both love the local church. and I think that's why it can be frustrating when we see churches um, growing 
and people being drawn to churches that aren't preaching biblical values, mm. right? They're not preaching the full gospel as, mm. um, as we talked about on, on the car ride when I, was, when I went and visited you in Athens. Um, they're not preaching um, the complete gospel. And so as, as people looking from the outside in, you're looking at that and be like, we care about their soul. We care about where they end up. You know, they don't Hello. have to come to our church, but we care about where they go. And they're going to a church that is not even preaching the word of God. And we are seeing that. We're seeing an embrace uh, from churches um, going that route as what we would call progressive uh, Christianity or woke Christianity. And it's nothing new. You know, it's, I was uh, reading a little pr uh, the preface for, uh, for one of Billy Graham's books. And he was just talking about, it was back in like the 1990s. And he was talking about how churches are, are losing their morals, not preaching uh, against mm -hmm. sin. And I'm reading this. I'm like, what? <laughs> like this, Wait, I, like, I had to, Is yeah, I checked, I checked the copyright. <laughs> it was like 1992. I was like, man. So it's like, it's a good reminder, right? That this is nothing new. Nothing is going to catch God off guard, right? Nothing is right. going to catch the church off guard. Um, but I think it's more prevalent, especially with social media, right? Especially... Um, with Facebook, with Instagram Live, you have these Great. celebrity pastors. Maybe there's a need for them. I don't know. I'm not going to speak ill of anyone in particular, but you sure. definitely have seen an embrace of progressive values. Um, so let's just talk about that. People might not even know what we're talking about when we say progressive or woke Christianity. Sure. To you, what is what is progressive Christianity or or woke? Woke Christianity. Oh, 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 he's getting excited. Oh no. no. I was I was hoping. Yay. Yo, so, so <laughs> I just finished a book, shocking, uh, and um, it was actually a book that I was let, let, you, let me say this real, real quick. Let me, if Danny says he's read a book, I recommend anyone to just write that book down when he says it so you can <laughs> go back and listen and, and uh, write down the fiction book that he recommended as well. So any books that he says a, to read, I recommend you read them. I'm going to hit you with this. So on the camera, you've got The Seven Seasons of a Man's Life by Patrick Morley. And basically just talks about the different, you know, I mean, because we all, we, we know that life has its seasons. You have the ups, you have the downs and, and, and whatnot. <clears throat> um, and so I was reading this book and it's funny because when you left Georgia, I was just getting into some chapters. And so I'm, I'm, I'm touching, I'm, I'm addressing what you think is like progressive Christianity. I like to also think of progressive Christianity as like cultural Christianity, anemic mm -hmm. Christianity, kind of along the same kind of vibe. Um, and let me read a couple of quotes from this book. Um, there's first off, and this I don't know, maybe if your people are watching this, I actually I draw stick figures in my notes. I've got like annotations, so like when I draw it, like like I got boom right here. Like this is the, this is the, what I'm, I'm gonna read to y'all this little boom part right here. So so listen to what this man said, and this I mean Patrick Morley goes in. So he says, "There is a God we want." And there is a God who is. They're not the same God. Mm. Um, he says later on, cultural Christianity pollutes biblical Christianity slowly over time and with little observable notice. And he goes into the heart of the issues with cr cultural Christianity. And I, you can substitute progressive. He says, first, Many men never understand what the Bible says. And I think, uh, in my experience, and I, I, this could be just for me, um, and 
Aaron, you're more than welcome to chime in. The more people I talk to about the Bible, the more frequently I come across people who, I mean, forget reading the Bible cover to cover, knowing who the authors of the Bible are, knowing the times they lived in. I mean, they're just kind of like, they may know a scripture or two. If they're lucky, they might, they might know a couple of names of the books in the Bible. They don't even know what it says, much less what it, what it means. Um, and um, there's, another, there's another one here. So many people follow a self-help gospel. He says many churches are top heavy with people who don't know God personally. And then listen to this. And I mean, if he said this, like if he posted this online, he, he, he would get canceled. He says, we might call. He, uh, so there is a plethora of cultural Christians, some of whom we might call mature infants in mm. Christ. Mature infants. And I wrote right above it. I said, what an appropriate description. They're mature infants. They're, they're mm. grown up, grown up Christians still wearing diapers and, and get that, get that mental image for you. And then he says later on, he says, cultural Christianity focuses on man's mortal wound, how to build a better world. But he says, the gospel of the kingdom is biblical Christianity. So this is, this is, this is the opposite, right? This is the contrast. Biblical Christianity's purpose is to usher in the kingdom of God. And, 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 and he goes on, um, and I'll share one more quote. <clears throat> he says, the curse of cultural Christianity is sincerity. I'm convinced American churches hold millions of men hostage to their own sincerity. They're good men. They're good yeah. men. Yeah. But they're trusting in their own good deeds. Their intentions are noble. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. And the better they are in their natural man, the tighter Satan has been able to draw the noose around their necks. And he later on talks about cultural Christianity. He says cultural Christianity actually is sin. He says it right there. So he goes after it. And what, what am I basically getting at is basically cultural Christianity serves the God we want. Biblical mm -hmm. Christianity serves the God who is. Yeah, That's yeah. what he's getting at. I love that. And that's something that um, I've actually found myself saying in that when people talk about a God that, um, you know, God isn't judging God, God created me who I am. You know, they, they start uh, uh, for formulating a God to fit who they are, fit their, yep. fit their personality. And I'm yeah. like, that's not the same God. We don't serve yeah. the same God because yeah. my God never changes right uh, my god is the same yesterday today and forevermore right yeah. so the same values that my god hold, held in the old testament are the same values and the same promises that he is going to keep and fulfill in today's 2021 Hello. but so many times people are like well you know it's not really my place to say this it's not really my place to judge and, and they're completely disregarding god for who yeah. he is and they say, no, God, you know, I, you know, I just, I can't say that, you know, I just, uh, you know, I don't want to hurt people's feelings and I don't want to come across in a negative way. And, you know, mm. God, we're, we're trying to build your church. We want people to come into your church, right? Mm. So we're not going to completely, you know, we're not going to talk about sin a lot. We're not going to talk about hell a lot. And I know, you know, you don't, but, and it is it, completely insane. So let me ask you this question. 
I, this is your podcast, but I'm gonna flip the script. You ready? <laughs> how do you how do you think church kids? How do you think this whole idea of cultural Christianity, progressive Christianity? How do you think it relate to kids who are raised in the church? Uh, well, I guess I can only speak for for my fellowship for the kids that I've seen and grown up with. Um, how it would relate to us? In... So, basically, I mean, it's like. What do you believe they face the pressure of subscribing to being a cultural Christian? This idea of like, you know, I'm not out there to, 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 you know, I, I mean, I've got this idea of God and it's the God of like, I'm not going to offend all my friends. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, I want people to like me, yada, yada, yada. I mean, like, and if, if church kids, I mean, all Christians obviously do face this, but how, how is it unique to the church kid? And what, I guess for you, what have you seen or what have you experienced? that helps the church kids say, you know what, forget girls, forget that. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to be a Bible Christian. I think one of the cool things that uh, I heard one time is it wasn't even by a Christian, Adam Carolla, who um, is a famous podcaster. I remember he was, he was doing an interview and uh, he said, one of the things that we found out through this pandemic, and I don't even like calling it a pandemic, but through this COVID crisis is that <laughs> we found that people aren't necessarily afraid of death, which is one of the most widely held fears, right? Everyone's afraid of death. He said, one of the main things that you found were people were afraid of being shamed. And so what mm. happens with that, people, even if they know the truth, they know the efficacy of masks, right? They know the truth about vaccines, or they know the um, uh, uh, truth about who's getting affected by COVID. Sorry, I'm just using COVID as an example. They won't speak up why? Because they will get castigated, they will be isolated, they will be put into a corner of shame, and they will be walked through the aisle like they did, and everyone's going to be like, shame, shame, and people are afraid of that. And I think church kids, uh, um, you see that. Mm. Um, for me in my own life, I never really felt that way. I was always, uh, I never really... I think maybe as I got older, that's when cultural Christianity maybe started making a push or maybe I just started paying attention more to it as I got older. So I was already um, kind of set in my my beliefs. And um, and so I, I already kind of had a backbone for, OK, I'm not going to be swayed to to the right or to the left. I know the truth. My my dad constantly said he'll grab a Bible and he says we need to be narrow minded. Right. Hello. And I'll put Hello, it right. <laughs> and I'll put it right in front of his face for just for those that are just for for those that are just listening. But I think for church kids, that's the main thing. You cannot be ashamed. You cannot be ashamed of Jesus. You can't be ashamed of the gospel. You know the the Bible, and I'm sure you'll allude to this. The Bible says that um, it, uh, it's the truth that will yeah. set people free. It's not my feelings. It's not me working around the truth. Well, did the Bible really say yeah. this? Does the Bible really? Yeah, is it, you know, yeah, it's just really, you know, a metaphor or yeah, did God dude. really do this? <laughs> and and it's, um, but you, you can't be ashamed. And one of the things exactly. I, I, I reference my dad a lot, he's obviously my pastor. Um, but uh, one of the things he says, going back to, to the Bible, knowing the bible he says people believe the preacher and what he says about the bible because they don't read it so you could 
you could go to a church forever and the preachers preaching the bible or what we think is a bible and we're like oh wow that's so good because we're not reading the bible Hello. <laughs> we we don't we don't even know what we we can't hold him accountable to something that we have not instilled into our lives right Precisely. and and so that's one thing i would say don't be ashamed church kid for what the bible says listen if they want to try and uh reference the bible then you got to reference the bible right back mm. and you you have to be which able means to you gotta pick up your bible and which means you gotta pick and, up your bible hey hey <laughs> hey and that's work right it's hard work Hello. it takes dedication it takes discipline but guess what we have people disciplining themselves and or maybe not maybe they're just using you know sound bites but using uh the bible for their own free will and so you free if will. you truly want to make an impact if you truly want to make a difference then you are going to have to sit down read the bible to be able to counter it to be able to uh one of the I know I'm rambling, but uh, Ravi Zacharias, um, the uh, one of his guys who actually passed away from cancer. If you listen to his testimony, I can never remember his name because it's kind of a hard one. This, uh, Narik McAllister. No, um, he used to be actually a Muslim, so oh, he's there. You talking about? Yeah, you know, he actually wrote a book. I, again, I can't remember his name. I could probably look it up. But just listening to his testimony, he says that when he went to college, he used to get joy in dismantling christians and their arguments so christians would come up and witness you know there's a uh, when i'm listening i'm like there's a number of different ways i'm sure he was approached it could have been a new believer it could have been someone who might not be as familiar with the gospel when they came to him and so when they come and say hey man jesus loves you and he just dismantles them i'm like well you know it, maybe it wasn't you know frank turek coming up to him right sure some apologists coming but he said one of the things that changed his life was meeting someone that knew the gospel so it was actually a roommate of his i think it was or someone that was next door who they would have constant discussions and he grew up in a he grew up in a muslim household so he knows the quran like the back of his hand just like someone yep. hopefully in a christian household will know the bible yeah uh you know pretty similar there um and they would just have to have constant um, discussions and the christian ended up winning him over yeah. uh and that just stems from knowing the gospel reading praying having a relationship with christ and that's yeah. really where a lot of people are lacking which has opened the so, door to cultural christianity as you as you as you as i'm listening to you what comes to my mind <clears throat> is you said that this guy who was taught, and I, I, we have his book. It's uh, the guy. The guy wrote a book called "Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus." It's, it's downstairs in our library. The same guy you're talking about who worked with, with Ravi. Um, you talk about how that guy eventually was won by someone who knew the gospel, the full gospel, and would tell the full gospel. So Paul echoes that in Romans 15. In mm. Romans 15, verses 14 through 21. He begins to tell the Romans, he goes, listen, I know you guys have good intentions. I know you guys know everything that I'm telling you, but I'm still going to remind you with boldness about the things that I've just told you about. And he's referencing like all the things he just said in Romans about not being a slave to sin and having victory over sin and yada, yada. He says, I know you know all this, but you need a reminder. And then he says, he says, I, I, he goes, 
I, I, he goes, I'm trying not to, but I do boast a little that Christ has used me to win you, the Gentiles. And he basically, he basically, and you have to read the Living Bible, it's really good. He goes in, in, in uh, chapter five, 15, verse 19, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this now, I'm, I'm getting stirred to tell us a cult, to, 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 especially church kids, because I, mean, I really didn't think this would go in this direction, but now it per- fits perfectly. He says, I have won them. The very first phrase in verse 19 says, I have won them by my message, my actions, and Holy Ghost power. He says, I did, he, and he goes, I preached the full gospel of Jesus Christ. So why am I saying, well, why is that important for us? A lot of times church kids or people within churches who are Bible preaching, evangelistic, charismatic, whatever, they preach and people will immediately, I mean, in the most opposition when I witness, I don't know if you've experienced, but the people that give me the most opposition are people who say are Christians. Mm, They're people mm. who say that they go to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll, they'll say, you're, you're turning people off. And the, the response I give them, which is what I got from my pastor, Pastor Valley says, they're already off. How do you turn someone off that are already off to the gospel, mm, to salvation? Yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. I'm trying to turn them on. What are you trying to do? Yeah. And so Paul tells the believers, he says, I won you. And many times people out, you know, if you're evangelizing a church kid, if you're out there, someone who's grown up in our, or anyone, you know, you try to witness, you try to win people and try to disciple them like Paul does with the Gentiles. And people say, well, what you're doing is ineffective. What are you doing is pushing people away. What you're, and they start trying to shame. I love the way, you know, great word, great. It's very ap- applicable. Try to shame people for what we're trying to do, which is just obey the Bible, Right. Paul says, no, 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 no. What I did, it was effective. Mm. And it was effective. It won people to Christ. And I have experienced the same thing. I've gone out and people will say, well, how many people get saved that you hand a flyer to and you get and you cold witness to them? And I tell them, actually, quite a few. You want to come to our church? I'll, I'll actually get you to meet them personally. And you can actually talk to them yourself. Yeah. And so that for me, you know, Paul says, one of my feathers in my cap, one of the attributes that I'm most proud about is the fact that I've won people by preaching the full gospel. I did not neglect. I did not omit. I did not leave anything out. It wasn't diet Christianity. It wasn't casual Christianity. I preached the full gospel and I won men and women to the cross and now I'm discipling them. And so that's, I I think that's very significant in the time and hour that we live in. That's so good. I love that. Um, There is a couple of things I wanted to, so Progressive Christianity, I think I've, we, we kind of hinted that, you know, they're not preaching the full gospel. One of the things, so if we can, I would like to maybe pick at some of the things maybe they lack in teaching um, where, where we would maybe disagree with them. And so what is, one of the things I think they don't preach on is maybe fornication um adultery they right they just leave homosexuality they leave it all out right because if you touch one you're gonna have to touch it all um even getting drunk we see a lot of sipping sipping saints we see a lot of a lot of uh christians who have no problem with drinking alcohol and are they going to go to hell for that no i don't i don't know it's not my place to say that they're going to go to hell for drinking a glass of wine um but there is something to be said about poo-pooing the idea that drinking alcohol is completely okay because 
and I'll let you take over from here. We we talked about it on the car ride. Jesus does address drinking alcohol. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny you mentioned that because you know, oh man, so you brought up so much. I have to focus. So what what stands out to me is you know a lot of times people will say, well, drinking a beer is not going to send me to hell. Mm. Okay. I can't sit there and tell you, yeah, you drink this natty light and you're going to go you're on a grease bowl. You're straight to the pit. I can't say that. And I, I don't, I don't know biblically. However, much of all of that, see, Paul talks about, Paul says, anything that I believe, anything that has the appearance of evil, I abstain from it. Right. Mm-hmm. He also says that I don't want to cause my you know, fellow brethren to stumble or to, or to, or to um, look at me as an excuse. I want people to look at my life as an inspiration to holiness, not as an excuse for carnality, for fleshliness, et cetera, et cetera. And so with all that being said, it's one of those things where it's like, what's your purpose? What's your goal? Are you, are you, are you trying to win the world? Because that's like for our Bible study group, our motto is making disciple makers. We're making, we're not out there to be another Christian group. Yeah. We're not out there to be another one of the little campus ministry. That's not, that's not what we're out there for. We're yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. We're making, we are making disciple makers. We're not even making, we're not even stopping at making disciples. We're making disciple makers. We're talking about what Paul said to Timothy. Uh, take what you've been entrusted with and give it to other men who will teach faith, other men faithfully. Because we know, Courtney and I know we're not going to be at campus forever. The vision has to be passed on. And we're there to make disciples. That's the great mandate in Matthew 28. And so with this whole idea of cultural progressive Christianity and all, all of those different things, then you can say if it's, if it's drinking or if it's, if, if it's uh, you, know, uh, um, you know, the lines of, of sexual mor- you know, morality, um, whether it be what you watch, the kind of music you listen to, all of this goes back to what are my aspirations? What's my purpose? What's God's purpose for my life? You know, a lot of people ask, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? It's, I think it's the wrong question. It's, what's God's purpose for my life? And if it's, if it's to win a lost and dying world, we've got to be different. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't, you know, no, I'm not going to tell someone in their face, yeah, if you, if, you sip a, if you sip a glass of wine, you're going, hell, I can't do that. But what I can say is that Jesus set me free from alcohol. I don't drink alcohol anymore. I, I, used, to be going to, I used to be going to the church. Drinking on a Saturday night, Sunday morning coming, I'm in church, I'm a flaming hypocrite for all who see. And you know what? Jesus set me free. I don't go back to that. And I, I want to live my life. So other people say, if, if, if God did that for Danny's life, there's no reason he can't do that for me. I can aspire to that same standard of abstinence, of being able to pursue God and not do all the other things. Um, and, and I just, I think, I think for, you know, for people within cultural Christianity, I think that's one of the biggest things is like, what's your purpose? Are you, are you, is your goal in life, is your consuming passion to make disciples, to go out, to make disciples, and then have those disciples make more disciples, and they are uh, proliferating the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they're more into, well, let me see how many things, you know, my, you know, grace can allow me to do. Yeah. You've missed the boat. You missed the boat. We're trying to win the world. We're trying. We're trying to pull people out of hell. We're not trying to get as. We're not trying to give habits and choices. And by the way, 
real quick before I, I, I spin it back to you for people who like to use the whole like, yeah, Jesus drank wine. Jesus drank wine. First off, people who quote that from John chapter two, uh, got to give it a timeout because it never actually explicitly, John never says Jesus drank wine, number one. But number two, if we're going to go with, if you know the Bible and you've studied the Bible, and you know that Jew, the Jewish culture, they would drink wine. If you've done your research, you know that back then clean water didn't exist. So people aren't mm. running around drinking water fresh out of a stream. They would die. They would suffer. <laughs> and the way in order, what, what was their natural antiseptic solution? It was something that had to be fermented. Has to have, has to have things in, they have to put something in that's going to be bacteria killing. So they would put wine. However, when you look at cult, a, a, a cultural Jew, a true cultural Jew, for every one part of water, they're going to put like three, uh, uh, for one, excuse me, for every... Uh, oh, one part of wine, they would dilute it with three cups of three parts of water. In other words, if you know your research and you know your Bible, a true cultural Jew is basically drinking grape juice. There's mm -hmm. no way a good, someone who is Jew, someone who follows, you know, Old Testament back then in Jesus' Bible times are running around. If you're, if you're, if you are a, a faithful, loyal uh, Jew, you're not running around drinking wine straight from, from, the, from the wine press. You're drinking something that's very watered down, and you would have to drink a lot, many, 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 many beverages to even start feeling a, some kind of buzz or tipsy or whatnot, whatever we want to call it. So if anyone were to say, well, Jesus, drink wine, da, da, you need, again, you need to read your Bible. You need to do the study. You need to look at the culture. And uh, you know that, that for me, that doesn't fly. Yeah. It, it, has no, it has no credibility. Yeah, I love that. That's what I was trying to trying to get out of you as well is <clears throat> that analogy or that uh, reference to scripture. One of the things too, when it comes to alcohol, like you were like you were hinting at, is what is the purpose of drinking? Right? For most, is to <laughs> to get drunk, right? To Hello. to to get into a different state of mind, right? To allow yourself to forget certain problems, or maybe you want to get out of that. Uh, you're drinking with your friends or whatever, and your your purpose is to get drunk, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, if you're a Christian and that's happening, I would say you need to get into a, a you know a deeper dive into what is causing you to want to get into a different state of mind that Jesus can't do Himself, mm. right? Come on, somebody, because Jesus can help you and get you in a different state of mind without you losing complete so uh, uh, soberness, right? Without you, without you, you know, losing your whole mind and becoming a whole different person to your family, to your kids. Uh, one of the things too is, um, I'm glad you said it, you, you used to drink alcohol. So as a church kid, as someone who uh, is just getting saved, if you are, if I'm seeing people, if I'm seeing testimonies of people saying, God delivered me from alcoholism, why in the heaven's name would I flirt with alcoholism? Would I flirt with that? right? Why would I say, okay, you left it, but it's okay for me to do it because yeah. I'm stronger? No, 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 no. There's something deeper going on. And if you look in the right. Bible as well, nothing good ever comes from people who got drunk, whether it's Lot, uh, whether it's Noah, right? Same. There's nothing good that comes from people being drunk. And so, you know, and that, the reason why I reference being drunk, obviously the Bible is clear about that, but also what is so you're just drinking a sip and that's it right most of the time yeah. is to get into a different state of mind to get yeah. tipsy to get drunk and so 
Jesus is very clear about that. And you, as a Christian, right, we're not talking about sinners, right? We don't preach the same. We don't hold people that don't know the gospel to the same account as people who do, right? And so when I'm talking to Christians, what is your purpose? Like, like Danny was saying, what is your purpose behind, oh, it's just one beer. It's just this. It's just that. Listen, you know, maybe it has a bondage over you. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm just trying to get you to think. It might be something that you need to step back and be like, okay, why can't I break away from this? Why can't yeah. I give this up? Is it really that big of a deal to, to me to have some margaritas, you know, um, or can I just give it up? Well, what's, 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 I guess the two things that come to mind very quickly is number one, you and I just went to a Bible conference out in Arizona and at Prescott, one of the guys who's preaching was this guy named Eric Marino. I'd never heard of him. He's from the Island of Guam. He, he, mm. he, uh, 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 very, he was so endearing and he, he, he referred to himself as a coconut head. And he's just like, listen, I'm just preaching the gospel. I don't know how, I mean, he's very humble, very just self-deprecating. He can just relate to him, but something he says like marijuana, who would want to smoke marijuana when you can get high on Jesus? Hey. And so when, when you're talking as far as like, you know, this whole, like, you know, wanting to, you know, tip back, listen, let's be real. Life has its issues. Life has some pretty difficult problems to face. A girl at our church that Courtney's very good friends with, she's been saved for going on two years now. She was facing a lot of stress, a lot of different decisions when it comes to her. She's a single mom. And she told Courtney, this is two days ago, two days ago. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to even mention this two days ago. She looks at Courtney, she goes, she goes, Courtney, I don't know why, but I had all these things facing me and I had this urge to go get alcohol. She got, she said, I was in the car thinking about going to the, going to get some. And I was like, no. And she said, no, God, you've delivered me from that. So hey. let's, let's be real. People, the p- people face trouble. They want to escape it, some, whatever. But this preacher, Eric Marino, that I mentioned earlier, he says, why? If you're filled on the Holy Ghost, you, you should have a supernatural high that everything, anything else, whether it be a jewel, whether it be a blunt, whether it be a bottle, that would be a cheap substitute. It would be complete. It, it, it would just, it would be so disappointing, such, such a letdown. Mm-hmm. And so like, I mean, for, for me, I, a lot of the churches that I've gotten to get to know over the last few years, whether, whether it be in boot camps or Bible conferences or whatnot in our own church, you know, drinking is one thing, but a lot of them like this, whole, they face a lot, especially guys face this huge pressure, like jeweling and, and, you know, this, like, you know, synthetic, all this other stuff that's like out there is like a substitute. So I guess they do it and they won't get caught because their clothes won't smell like reef. I mean, whatever. Yeah. And, but, but, but they're like, oh, you know, whatever. And it's like, you gotta, you know, if you're filled up on the Holy Ghost, if you are, I mean, you are just consumed and baptized in the Holy Ghost, there's no need, there's no need for that. Cause the Holy yeah. Ghost, the Holy Ghost is, is, is going to give you a fire, a zeal and a love for God that nothing else. I mean, basically the Holy Ghost is the well that keeps on giving. Mm. You drink a bottle. You, you're gonna you're gonna need it in a couple of days or if, at that at most if you take a hit on a, on a blunt it's temporary you're gonna want to come back to it it doesn't last the high does not last whereas the holy ghost it lasts for a lifetime amen um i know we're sticking on alcohol a little bit so people might think we're picking on it but it, um just to, <laughs> just to add i think uh um there is something to be said you know uh we're not perfect of course you know, our, oh, we're, we're never <laughs> not, we're, we're, we won't, oh, we're not always going to be, you know, in the best state of mind when we're, when we're amongst our coworkers and, you know, we might have some bad days, but there is something to be said about having a testimony that you don't drink alcohol. 
Um, I didn't drink alcohol throughout all my college. Um, and I only say that to say this. One thing that my teammates will, will do when I'm with them is they'll be like, hey, do you want to get something to drink, right? And they'll, they'll try and, you know, tease me and entice me knowing my answer, right? Or, or if they don't, they're like, oh, maybe I'll be the first one to convince them to yep. do it. Yep. So there is, there is something to be said um, about a testimony that you can hold amongst your peers saying, oh, Aaron doesn't drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, and on the flip side of that, there's a teacher that at the school I work at where uh, he, he literally is in charge of um, one of the groups that you might know, Young Life. A lot of people know Young Life. And I yeah. remember one time in the hall uh, to another teacher who, as far as I know, doesn't go to church, doesn't, doesn't profess to be a Christian. And um, they're in the hall and they're talking loud enough for everyone to hear. And I hear the guy that's in charge of Young Life talking about getting margaritas at the Mexican place just the night before and because they were half off and in my mind i'm like man bro like <laughs> i just if that's something that you you believe you know you could be a christian and drink alcohol we know me and dan i won't rehash what we just talked about but part of me is like bro just keep that to yourself don't mm. be spreading around saying mm. that you're willing to go out to bars and drink and you know go to sunday morning service and be in charge of a christian group at the school, yeah. talking to teachers that, as far as I know, don't profess it. So it's like, what testimony do you have? What, yeah. what standard are they going to be able to hold you to if you are no different than them? Right. right? That's easy to be a Christian that lives with their girlfriend and drinks alcohol Hello. and smokes, smokes dope. Anyone? Do we need to wear hey. steel toe boots? Are you standing hey. on toes right hey. now, my Hey, brother? hey, 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 <laughs> hey. Hey, full gospel, baby. Right? So it's easy to be like, hey, you know, you're, I'm a Christian, just like you, Aaron, you know, and you're living with your girlfriend. Hey, me and you are the same, bro. Uh, but Christians, really, we are we perfect? Absolutely not. No, we're not perfect. Um, but there is something to be said about holding those big things, right? Drinking alcohol, the ones that um, can be viewed on the outside, drinking alcohol, you know, not falling into sexual immorality um or living with your girlfriend boyfriend there are things that going to church uh reading your bible that are on the outward that people can view and point yeah. towards and say wow right that's that's pretty impressive that's i want to i want to be able to do what they do what yeah. what is causing them to to do this and what's funny is that so that what that what that can bring on mine is courtney took the kids to the dentist this week so they go to the dentist and um they're like oh yeah this they, what they like to advertise is we're the dentist that the kids want to come to. They'll ask you mm. to go to. And you know why? It's because they have screens everywhere in their uh, location. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, kids are like, you know, Courtney's like, all right, we don't, for, our, for those who are listening, my family, we don't have a television. Um, we are not the kinds of parents who are like, hey, our child wants to watch two hours of Cocoa Melon here. That's not us. Um, the most the, the most electronic they might get is they'll listen to an audio book being played, which my daughter who's three will listen to an audio book about Cinderella on the couch. She'll just sit there. I kid you not. I have to, I'll have to record and text it to you. She'll just sit there and listen to the story. And so my kids go with Courtney's a dentist and they're talking and the nurse is like, wow, your kids are really well. They're really well behaved. Courtney's like, well, I mean, they're kind of getting something normal to go. And the lady 
that was working. She goes, what do you mean? And Corey said, well, we don't have a television in the house. And you know what this girl told her? It's the same thing that everyone else tell, says when I tell them we don't have a television. She said this. It, it happens so often. She goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. You know, our family should do that. I wish we could do that. Mm. Every, for some reason, for some reason, people, people look at it and they ascribe it as something to be worthy to uh, 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 achieve or to strive mm. toward. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 and for us, it, it's one of those things like, it's just a way of life. Like, this is just yeah, kind of yeah. like what we do. And, and so, I mean, I'm not saying that to go, yeah, having a television in your house is going to send you to hell. No. But I know that if I have a television, number one, I would watch it. Number two, it would take away time from other things I need to invest in. Like, I don't know, my family. And number three, the content on it. Anyone who ever tells me, oh, yeah, you know, I, I got my television, but, you know. I only watch the good stuff. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. You're only sit, sitting there watching the History Channel 24-7? You never <laughs> pull, up a, pull up a movie, an R-rated movie that's got people banging each other and they're not even married, all this stuff. And, and I bring up the whole, you know, we're kind of crossing now. All of these different things, whether it be drinking or whether it be, you know, what you put your, before your eyes. The other day I was witnessing to a couple of kids. They pulled up in a truck at the, at the, um, at the uh, uh, Ross and, and Marshall's parking lot. I was like, yo, and of course, I hear their truck from like half a block away and they're listening to music that I'm not sure Jesus and his homies would have been in the F-150 listening to, you know, they got select language and they pull in and I'm like, the guy, I think his name was Dawson. I was like, hey, buddy, you know, I'm Danny. Oh, yeah, I'm Dawson. He's like, well, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Oh, we love Jesus, man. We're going to heaven. I said, so does Jesus love the music that you're listening to? All four oh, of them no. boom, got quiet and one of them started chuckling in the back and he goes, Dang, boy, he got you. <laughs> the, guy, the driver was like, oh, you know, you're right about that. So people know if they're claiming to love Jesus and if they're claiming, mm -hmm. there's something deep within the human conscience that says, truly, I know the God who is. I have to make a decision. Do I serve the God who is or the God I want? And so mm -hmm. all of that is just, it's, it's, it, it fits together. I love it, bro. This that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Right. Um, we we've been talking for I think uh, hour hour plus. I don't want to keep you yeah. away from your from your family too much longer, you know. But uh, Danny, I appreciate that. I, there was a lot more that I I could have picked your brain about and we'll got, got two, into got into a little bit more detail. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a part two. We'll plan it out. And uh, but I appreciate you, bro. Hey, actually, real quick, real quick. Um, can you name a couple books that you, you would recommend? Ooh, a couple books. Dang. I dang, guess you dang. can start with that one, the one that's that you like, said. That's like saying, say all the reasons why Georgia football is the best football in the, in the country. There's so many, it's difficult. <laughs> so to you got one, you got one reason? <laughs> a negative uh, one? <laughs> um, okay. As far as books. So I would say... I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking of categories off the top of my head. Um, I would say if you're a dad and you're look or you're a parent and you want to read some books aloud to your kids and you want them to like them, I'll, I'll, I'll do three types. Books to read to your kids. I would say one series is really good to read to your kids. It's funny and it's, 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 it's pretty hilarious. Is a, is a series called Skippy John Jones. And it's about this Siamese cat who thinks he's a chihuahua. And whenever he goes into his closet, he meets his chihuahua friends and they go through really... And the author, whose name is 
uh, Judy Shackner writes in, in, in like a little dialect. And it's kind of like, it reminds me of the Chihuahua from the old Taco Bell commercials, which I don't even know if you get that reference. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great series. Keep it John Jones. And it's really, really funny. If you are a, a, um, a, if you are a, a kid who grew up in church and you're trying to really like get a grasp of like, hey, I, I want to be bold in my witness. I'll tell you this, Aaron, as, as, as we're closing out. One of the reasons why I also read books is because I've experienced that as I've read very quality good books, I've been able to take those books and God has done something where I have, I have adopted the convictions of the books that I read. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like maybe I, I listen to a sermon, that's great, but reading into a book, diving into a book, and there's like all these, you know, the, the author is getting at and the spirit of God starts working in with the words. You start getting these convictions. So for the church kid out there who's like, what about evangelism? There's a really good book. It's very, very humbling. It's called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And it's such a profound book because the author who actually played basketball at Auburn. Is it witnessing? It. Yes. It's about hey. evangelism. And hey. he, basi- he basically says, we're, there's, heaven's going to be so glorious. But the mm. one thing we can't do when we're in heaven is lead another soul to Jesus. That's the yeah. one thing that we won't be able. And that's such a profound thought. And he talks about evangelism, just like how to live it and breathe it. If you are a married couple out there, um, Courtney and I read a book called, um, if, uh, um, uh, um, for him only for her, for her only the, the, the husband, the husband wrote the book, uh, uh for her only or for, for him only, and the wife of the, the author, a uh, wife uh, wrote for her only. And it's Courtney and I still to this day refer to things that we pulled out of that book. Um, uh, so that, 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 that's, that's for the married couple. And then the final book I'll re- reference is for someone who maybe you're trying to, fi- trying to figure out if maybe one day you're called to preach. I've really stumbled on some quality books as far as missionaries that have had my heart burn for the nation of China. Um, I don't want to, I'm not going to mention them all for, for time's sake, but the one book that I say you, you must read, and I will go ahead and warn you, if you read this book, be prepared to be challenged as far as vocabulary. But by the end of the book, you'll be weeping at the end of the book. Mm. The book is called For the Glory by Duncan Hamilton. And it's the biography of the famous missionary, Eric Lill, who people may not recognize the name, but they know the movie Chariot of Fire. He was the man who won the, the 400 meter, an event at the Olympics he had never, he, he didn't train for. He was a devout Christian. And after he won the gold medal, he was a celebrity, even though he had been skewered by his own nation, his own team's coaches. He won the gold. He's like LeBron James of his generation. And people are like, okay, so what do you do for an encore? You know, he has millions of dollars waiting to be made. He's got women throwing themselves at him. And he says, no, God made me for China. And that story talks about how he ended up going to China, pastoring in China, and then what happened to him while he was in China. So those are just several books for people who are parents, couples, people, maybe a church kid out there. Maybe one of those books will get picked up. I love it. Danny, uh, I, I wasn't going to do this, but I feel inspired to. If, uh, for those that are listening that don't know Jesus, and, and you might uh, be kind of curious as to what we've been talking about this whole time, um, and you, you might not even be uh, in maybe my city or whatever that uh, you don't know where a church is. I, we always, at our churches, 
wherever we go, we always give an opportunity for salvation. And so, Danny, um, if you would, if you could just lead someone that's maybe listening and, and wants to be saved, wants to know Jesus, make him their Lord and Savior, if you could just lead them through a uh, prayer, and um, and then we'll end on that. Sure. Yeah. So if you're out there, you're listening, and perhaps you know you're you you know you're you're chasing life. You're empty. You've had a lot of expectations. You've been hurt, and you're just living your life. And maybe you've, either you never heard Jesus before, or uh, you know you've heard Jesus before. And maybe you're just one of those people who you grew up in church, but just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's just like going to McDonald's would never make you a Big Mac. And I want to tell you that there is coming a day when the Bible says everyone has an appointment with death. And when we die, we will stand before Almighty God and give an account for our lives. The Bible says that we are separated from God because of our sin. And I want to tell you that God made a way for us to, to bridge the gap between us and his holiness and his righteousness. And that, that, that way, his name is Jesus. He came. He was a real person historically real, came to a very real earth during the, the, the early Roman Empire. He lived 33 years, an incredible life, and he died and he resurrected bodily from the grave so that you and I don't have to stay the way we are, but we can be free from sin. And this is not complicated. The Bible just says any man who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if that's you, you don't have to understand everything we're talking about. You don't. All you got to know is, you know what? I'm a sinner. I admit it. Hey. I need a yeah. savior. So if that's yeah. you, uh, well, let's do this. If you're out there, you're listening, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes and just repeat after me. So here we go. Say, dear Lord, I admit I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I repent. I want to turn away from my habits, my sin, and my disobedience. Help me, Lord, from this day on to obey you and to make you the Lord of my life. Give me a heart that will surrender to you and help me to lead others and disciple others. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love it. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate you, man. We'll, uh, we'll get a part two going. All right, my brother. You take care. All right. Peace. See ya.